Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are locked on Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to Locked On Knicks. I'm your host, James Marcita, and this is episode 173. expecting a grunt. It's kind of my signature. There was some talk a little while back, though, about me wanting to switch things up, maybe wanting to move away from the grunt, and Twitter user CashCoop, well, I'm hoping is also a human being and not just some bot. That's going to be really depressing if I've been interacting with some bot this whole time. Uh, or, I mean, exciting for scientists, because it totally passed the Turing test. Um, I, I've been fooled, but... Twitter user, Twitter user CashCoop was like, why don't you use a shofar? And I was like, yeah, that's pretty good, and I kind of forgot about it. And then he sent me that shofar noise. So I was like, I gotta use this. For those of you who don't know what a shofar is, it's like a Jewish ceremonial horn made out of, like, literally like a ram horn. It's definitely, like, from an animal. <laughs> it's an actual horn. Um... My, like, one of my best friends growing up, shouts to Ari, had a shofar. And I used to try to, like, play it isn't really the right word because you just kind of blow into it. It's like playing a conch, 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 conch? It's like playing a conch shell, sort of. Um, and I was really bad at it. So to hear, it's, it's hard. If you can get your hands on a shofar, I hope that uh, you give it a shot. It's not easy to play. So that was just the most glorious shofar sound ever. I was like, I gotta use this. I'm using this to announce that we have a very special show. I think I'm going to keep the grunt going forward, but maybe bust out the shofar for special occasions. So, I mean, props to you, Cash Coop. Uh, Extreme props to you. Incredible props. The greatest props that anyone's ever seen. (laughs) Some weird, like, Guido Trump is what I just did, I think. Um, But this is a special show. A very special show. Uh, with us today, we have Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, and he's going to help me give you guys a preview of this year's Knicks with a fantasy spin. We're going to be doing lots of previewing for this upcoming season. Don't you worry about it. But this is the fantasy sports preview show. It's a little bit weird because uh, Josh, uh, he won the coin flip and he got to be the home team. And so he's interviewing me. I don't want you guys to freak out. I know you're used to me interviewing other people. He interviews me. I'm perhaps a little bit more serious than you're used to. I want to be in my best behavior for Josh. Um, But that's coming up in just a bit. We're going to talk about who's going to overperform, who's going to underperform. All the questions that people ask themselves when they play fantasy sports, right? Heading into the season. About the Knicks. I myself don't play... Fantasy anymore. I did for many years. Then I was just losing money and spending so much time. And I was like, you know what? This isn't fun anymore. I don't need to prove myself to anyone. I'm the best predictor of talent. You know how random it is. Come on. The person who knows the least wins all the time. Uh, But if you play, that's good for you. I'm happy that you have something that's fun. For me, it wasn't uh, fun anymore, so I stopped. But I still, I know a little bit about the game. So I think you'll get some some good knowledge. Some knowledge arrows for your knowledge quiver, as we like to say around here. We're also going to uh, talk about the massively important Jarrett Jack signing. 
But first, just a couple of two quick updates, and then we'll, we'll get we'll get this thing moving. All right. Uh, first, I want to apologize. I just gotta say I'm sorry for all the burping and all the pretzel eating that was going on during episode uh, 172. You know, I gotta be myself in order to be successful uh, hosting this show. I can't be anyone else. But I think I took that a little too far. I was a little too comfy. It's gross. It's gross to uh, eat and chew and subject you guys to it. Kind of funny, haha, look how casual I am. But at the end of the day, you gotta listen to my burps. So, I do apologize for that. Uh, Twitter user Mark Martella said he had to turn it off. He was like, I just couldn't. It was disgusting. So, you know, my bust. You gotta take chances. They don't always... Shooter's gonna shoot. You know what I mean? You don't always make the shot. So... My bad, Mark. Uh, but here's the thing. I don't think everything happens for a reason, but I learned that Mark is from Australia. He's like, you know what? Love the pot anyway. Shouts from Australia. Thank you for not burping and chewing going forward. So I'm going to try to do right by you, Mark, and anyone else who was completely disgusted by my behavior in episode 172. Once again, deepest apologies. We are um, also reviewing our um, official policy on food and drink in the podcast studio. Uh, you know, this is... The review hasn't happened yet, but it's coming. So I just want you to know, we take these complaints very seriously at Locked On Knicks. One other quick update. If you have smart speakers, you can shout at them. You can yell, yo, play Locked On Knicks, or however you do it, technically. I don't have one, so I don't know. But then Locked On Knicks will start playing while you're scrubbing potatoes or uh, like blotting off the dirt from mushrooms with kind of like a wet paper towel. Or maybe you're seasoning a cast iron pan. There's all kinds of stuff you could be doing. And you don't have your hands free. But you can just shout at that smart speaker. I'm getting angry at all these verbal fumbles. This is... Hold on. Let me take a pause. I'm feeling a little parched. Take a sip. That's... I'm still going to take sips. Just to lay the ground rules. But I'm going to try to avoid burping. And I'm not going to eat pretzels. That's just rude. Okay, so I'm sorry for burping. Listen to smart speakers. All right, let's start the show. Yes. One quick, uh, you know, piece of news we need to discuss before we bring in Josh Lloyd to interview me about the Knicks and fantasy basketball. Uh, the Knicks have signed Jarrett Jack to a one-year non-guaranteed deal. Uh, so this doesn't really mean much of anything. One year, non-guaranteed. They could cut him after training camp. Maybe he makes, you know, uh, Ramon Sessions look like a fool during training camp and they cut Ramon Sessions. Uh, either way, let me put it to you this way. Basketball reference, they have the player comps. Um, and the highest, most accurate player comp through 12 seasons for Jarrett Jack is Greg Anthony. And Jarrett Jack uh, played two games last year. He's coming off an ACL tear. The year before, he played 32 games. So you're looking at a 33-year-old Greg Anthony coming off an ACL tear. Don't expect much out of him. Not going to spend much more time analyzing that situation. What I want to do right now is cue up the interview of me by Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball. So let's bring us both in. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. We are getting down to the end of the season preview series of podcasts, only a few to go. And today we're going to be looking at an Eastern Conference team that uh, has lots of questions and I'm not sure how many of those we're going to be able to answer today, but we're going to do our very best. And to answer those questions, I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Knicks podcast and that is James Mercedes. James, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm uh, I'm good. It's good good to have you. Good to have you on the show. Good to discuss uh, the New York Knicks. There are there are lots of questions with this team, of course, and we're going to try and address those uh, during this uh, during this show. But we'll start off with the uh, the additions. That's how I start off all these shows. Like who's joined the team and the uh, the uh, I think guess the best player that joined this team uh, over the off season was a, a player who once was on this team, and that is of course Tim Hardaway Jr., who was signed to 
and I don't want to be offensive to, to Knicks people or Knicks fans, probably the worst contract of the offseason. It's up, it's up there with maybe... That's a, a very controversial statement, but go on, go on. Yeah, I could have said that was the worst contractor. I could have said Ron Baker. I'm, I'm not sure which one we want to go to. But let's let's start with Tim Hardaway because it was a weird situation. It was a weird contract that appears like no one was going to get anywhere close to that. But that's not mm-hmm. saying... Look, Tim Hardaway played well in the second half of last season. He increased his ability to, to run the point. He handled the ball a little bit. He still has his struggles. But now back in New York where he struggled mightily the first time, what do we see of Hardaway? Where is his role in this team? Does he immediately supplant Courtney Lee in the, in the backcourt? And does he become um, almost like a like a pseudo ball handler for a team who who really doesn't have an established or or a good point guard at this point? Um, well, a couple of questions going on there, but to answer uh, the one about what role he'll play, what the kind of money uh, they gave him this offseason, and as you said, it's it was quite a bit. Uh, they're definitely expecting him to come in and start right away. Um, it's his year twenty five season. Uh, Last year, he became the starter about two-thirds of the way through the season for a uh, very good, uh, you know, playoff-bound Hawks team. So, you know, the contract, um, <laughs> there there was a lot of grief given to the Knicks, perhaps rightfully, because it was unclear where their competition was coming from money-wise. But if you look at where his production was in those last 30 or so games when he was a starter, especially on a per 36 uh, minutes basis— it's in line with a pretty good, like at least average starting two guard in the league. Um, and that was against some pretty good competition when teams were still jockeying for playoff position. Um, so there's a chance that he could live up to the contract, even though uh, from a negotiation standpoint, it does seem like they were betting against themselves. So based on what he was able to do last year, based on uh, you know him continuing to grow and mature as a player, he is still only 25 um, it wouldn't be uh, crazy to expect kind of league average starting two guard production out of him. I think. Yeah, I agree. Like in that time post All Star break, he played thirty two minutes a night, but averaged seventeen and a half points, three and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, point eight steals, and shot forty seven from the field, eighty four from the line, and thirty seven from three, which is a true shooting of fifty nine percent. He that that's productive stuff. That's a top seventy five fantasy player in that time. Um, yeah, that's a team that obviously had Dennis Schroeder that had, was using the ball a lot, had uh, Paul Millsap, it had Dwight Howard, and he moves to a, a team in the Knicks where maybe he gets a little bit more of the ball now. His efficiency might suffer, but he was he was strong for the entirety of the season with 46% shooting over the course of the year. And I think that he's a pretty strong top 100 fantasy guy this year. He does have that ability, I reckon, to increase his assist numbers this season, and maybe there's a chance that he can push into that um, three and a half to to three point seven assists potentially. I think he could get to that level, which which pushes him, you know, maybe another twenty spots up the rankings. So I reckon when you're looking at at Hardaway in drafts, like he's getting picked at pick ninety six and on Yahoo and one hundred and one on ESPN. I, I really like that selection there for him, an efficient scoring guard who can add some assists. And if he gets look, those steals, if they go from point eight to one point two. Then that's another you know, ten or so spots in the in the rankings jump. And I talk about it all the time. Is when you get to the end of a draft, you know, small changes and things really influence things. And when he's got that upside and the increased role, and you know, perhaps even more minutes than what he saw after the All Star break, it's really interesting for Hardaway. So, how do you see him fitting with like the existing players on the team? Does in, is there any concern with his game style with uh, with Mallow or, or with Porzingis uh, especially? Um, I think with anyone, he'll fit in uh, really well. He seems to have really got his uh, – the narrative is that he really got his head screwed on straight in Atlanta. They sent him down to D-League when his uh, defense was lacking. Rather than pout about, about it, you know, he doubled down and worked really hard. Um, I think he is especially looking to, you know, fit in and play a, a, a good team game given a lot of the criticism that he's been getting this offseason. He wants to show people that the Knicks didn't make a mistake in signing him. Um, like you said, I think he'll be given way more ball handling opportunities than he's had in the past, um, largely because of that backcourt. The Knicks have no real established point guard who's going to be getting significant minutes. I mean, they signed Ramon Sessions just because they needed someone <laughs> who was a pro point guard. I mean, they got you know a, a rookie with a lot of upside in Frank Nilakina, but he's only 19. And then they've got Ron Baker and Chas and Randall backing him up like guys who don't instill a lot of uh, confidence in you. So I think Hardaway's going to get that... Uh, ball in his hands a lot more than he would in Atlanta, especially in some situations like pick and roll type things where he might not have had 
as many opportunities last year. So I could definitely see those assist numbers going up. And uh, the Knicks front office keeps talking about, you know, wanting to emphasize youth, um, you know, athleticism, uh, and of course, basketball IQ. Um, so I think they're really going to try to get the ball moving, get the ball out and uh, run with these guys. Hardaway could certainly do that. Uh, he's got some jets on him. So I, I think he's going to fit in well with this team. Yeah, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to surprise some people this season with uh, the extra things that he does bring to his game. Um, he's going to have those hot scoring moments, but he's going to do some other things. So I think he'll be a little bit of a surprise this season. So I do like him uh, from a, a real life perspective. Maybe not going to live up to the contract, but whatever. That's signed now. Can't do anything about it. Um, mm-hmm. He's there. I think he'll be a, a solid player. And I think he'll be a, a useful fantasy option as well this season. You already touched on that they did bring in Ramon Sessions. Do you do you imagine that Sessions will be the opening night starting point guard for this team? Um, I would like to see him be the uh, opening night starting point guard. A lot of Knicks fans don't agree with me. The whole thing is, uh, you know, everyone says point guard is the hardest position to learn in the league. Um, Neil Keen is coming in at 19. You know, that's very young. And as much as, you know, players and management don't want to admit it, uh, the media is a little crazier in New York. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's to bring him along slowly – with the idea that, you know, if he shows that he's ready right away, he plays like a week and he's just tearing it up, fine. Let him be the starter. But you don't want to have him be the starter and have all this pressure placed on him. Then maybe he's, like, really struggling and you got to, like, come off the bench for a little bit and it becomes a whole distraction and blah, blah, blah. So I'd like to see them take him along slowly and maybe even get the most minutes at first. But that symbolic starting thing, uh, you know, people can really run with that. And especially when he's so young, he's going to have his ups and downs. He's going to struggle from time to time. Um, I really don't know what they plan on doing. That's hard for me to tell. They haven't really showed their hand yet. We didn't see Neil Akina in a uh, summer league because he like bumped his knee and they were really cautious with him. So they held him out. I think once uh, training camp rolls around and once uh, the preseason starts and we can see how he looks against some actual NBA competition, we'll have a clearer picture there. I think that's key is seeing what happens in preseason because at this point I would assume that session starts. But again, if Nilakina comes out and is is fine and is it doesn't even have to be really good. He just needs to be not bad, really, for them to say, well, maybe he can start off the year as our point guard. Yeah, Sessions might be worth a look as a as, as a last pick in a draft, and maybe you get a month's worth of value out of him. But he he suffered a knee injury last year, and he wasn't good also last season. Like he was fine the year before, but he struggled last year, even before the knee injury. But he can still be a source of assists. He can still you know, score a little bit. He might get you some steals, but he's not going to do a huge amount. And you know that you're not going to get a full season's worth of value out of Ramon Sessions. Sorry for the interruption, guys, but I just got to talk to you real quick about SeatGeek. It's the only place to get tickets to anything. Sports. The theater. Uh, music, comedy. You like any of that stuff? Do you like leaving your house and attending events? Then you should have the app SeatGeek on your phone. There's all kinds of good things about it. Uh, first of all, the tickets are fully guaranteed. You're not going to be screwed over by some three-card Monty playing Times Square hustler. Uh, they grade the tickets. So you can look at each ticket and you say that this is a good deal for that location for that night or not. They're just trying to hook you up with the best tickets possible. Uh, so they have no problem grading them. Like, this guy is trying to screw you. We'll let him sell. You know, we'll let him sell, sure. And if he can get that money, great. But not a good deal for you. This ticket over here is better. I use that feature all the time when I order my uh, Billy Joel tickets. See him once a month at Madison Square Garden. Uh, he's, he's the master. What can I say? And I wouldn't be able to do it without Seat Geek. I recommend you download the app today. You can get $20 off your first purchase if you enter the code... L-O-N-B-A at checkout. So once again, download SeatGeek and enter the code L-O-N-B-A and it'll get you up and running with the best tickets to the events that you want to go to. Um, Michael Beasley comes to New York, James. Um, super cool mm-hmm. bees. <laughs> Well, uh, he had uh, some uh, interesting quotes after the signing that you know, he, he's been disrespected because he's a he's a walking bucket, um, and, yep. and no one can stop him. Where does he fit in? Because we've got got a few backup small forwards on this team. Obviously, the starting small forward. We'll, we'll talk about him a little bit later. But there's Mindalgas Kuzminskas, there's Lance Thomas who played that role last season. So where's Beasley fitting in uh, amongst this group? Do you think that he can you know, ascend into that? I guess, first wing off the bench or first, you know, three, four off the bench who provides that microwave scoring op- option uh, that Kuzminskis and Thomas can't? 
Yeah, he's a really interesting question. I think he maybe more than anyone is affected by whether or not Carmelo's there. Um, if he's there, I find it very hard to believe that he'll get a lot of minutes. Like you said, uh, I think Lance Thomas is ahead of both those guys uh, on the depth chart. The Knicks really like what he brings uh, with his defensive hustle and his three-point shooting. Um, he's, I don't know if overall, but he's definitely been 40-plus from the corners for a couple of years now. His big problem is he can't seem to stay healthy. Uh, Kuzminskis did some good things kind of like first half of the season last year, really fell off toward the end with his three-point shooting. But he looks or he looked super confident in Eurobasket. He had some good games uh, for Lithuania. Beasley, I would assume, would just be kind of like the Knicks taking a flyer, trying to see if they can, you know, maybe catch the lightning in a bottle, maybe uh, a couple of microwave performances off the bench. But then he did have those comments that you mentioned, which were a little head-scratching, where he's like, I need to... (laughs) What, like I'm tired of the disrespect. I'm tired of not getting minutes. And he doesn't figure to get a ton of minutes unless Carmelo Anthony is traded. It's going to be kind of all hands on deck. They don't have a great backup plan at small forward. Um, but if Carmelo's around, it's going to be weird for him, given the kind of things that he said in the offseason about wanting to play more. So I'm really not sure what's going to happen there. I think he's one of those questions that you uh, referred to in your opener that are going to be hard to answer until we get into the swing of things and see who's actually on the roster. I get this question more often than I ever thought that I would. It's like, oh, if, if Mallow's traded, does Beasley automatically become the starter? And I go, well, I'm, I'm no. not sure. Yeah, look, I, I, there's, <laughs> no, there's definitely other, not. There's these other guys here. Look, he might be able to play 25 minutes or something off the bench and being that guy, but he's not... We have to just accept that Michael Beasley's just not... He's not good enough at this point to be a an every-night, big-minute sort of guy. He has his flashes. People love points per game, and, and he, he definitely brings that, but he has his struggles in other areas. But he can be a useful fantasy guy, so he's a name to watch if he elevates himself into a second-string role. But at this point, yeah, I'm not holding out huge amounts of hope for him. The other guy that the Knicks signed was Luke Cornett on a two-way deal, but we're not going to see a huge amount of him. The uh, departures, Derek Rose went to the Cavs, Justin Holiday to the Bulls, Maurice Ndua, Sasha Vujicic is gone, and Marshall Plumley went to the Clippers. But let's let's get back to Nilakina, who the, the Knicks picked at pick eight, James. Um, mm-hmm. What did you think of the pick at the time? I liked it. Um... The Knicks have a pretty good track record of plucking guys Very from overseas. Uh, obviously, Chris Stapps, there was a lot of talk that uh, their, you know, like Uber scout, uh, Clarence Gaines, uh, really liked him. And he was the guy who, you know, according to legend, convinced Phil Jackson to take Chris Stapps. So all Knicks fans trust in Clarence Gaines. Uh, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. is the, you know, summer league MVP of the world. But I, uh, I'm still excited to see what. Frank does, you know, uh, when he gets on the court and gets a chance to show his stuff, he's got a way different skill set than some of the guys drafted after him. His body is, like, the most interesting of the point guards that were drafted. I mean, he's 6'5", could still be growing, has a huge 7-foot wingspan. Uh, He might surprise some people with some steals and blocks out of the guard spot um, just because of those crazy arms. Um, People don't really know what to expect from him, though, not having seen him against NBA competition. Uh you wouldn't be shocked if he really struggled. I mean, most rookies do, by and large. He's a point guard. But then they said, you know, what Knicks fans remember is Chris Stapps being like five years away from contributing and right away being very good. Um, I don't think we're expecting a repeat of that, but it's he's another guy with a big question mark. It, it, he could go a wide variety of ways. The Knicks are going to give him every chance to see the floor. Um, I think his defense will come around, though, before his offense. He was he was a very good three point shooter over in France and in the uh, FIBA under eighteen. I think he shot like forty seven percent in the in the FIBA tournament or something crazy. Over then he was playing on ball and off ball. He was playing at the two because he's got the size obviously to guard twos. Um, it's, but it's not like the Knicks have another point guard that they can pair him with here. So he's going to you know, not play off the ball a huge amount, I wouldn't think. But he does have this ability as a as a guy who can hit the threes, get those steals, as you mentioned, be a good out-of-position blocks guy. He has shown efficiency overseas as well. So they're all things that do work in his favor. He's probably not a guy that I would really be looking at at this point in taking as as a last pick. But as we said, like if he shows that he's competent in preseason, he could very well be the starter. And then I'm all for you know taking that pick with that last selection and seeing what happens. If you had to guess, say he doesn't start the season, what month would you think that they the Knicks would make that change? Or is it just completely dependent on what they see from him? I mean... I think, you know, season starts like end of October. Like I think like around January would be a good, like once he gets his kind of feet wet a little bit. But uh, they'll make changes quick. 
they're not – like, if, if it is Sessions who gets to start over him, some people think it'll be Ron Baker, who didn't exactly show uh, tremendous point guard ability last year, though he's a pretty dogged defender. Um, but, you know, and even the, the guy from Harvard that they still got around, uh, Randall, uh, was like real, had a really bad summer league showing, so people who once thought he would get some minutes aren't so sure anymore. Um I think the Knicks, if he show, if Nilakina shows that he's ready soon, they won't hesitate to put him in there. So it could be as soon as a couple weeks. Um, but I, I, if I if I were like betting on it, put some money on January. Yeah, I, I, that's that's what I look around. Look, mid December is a time when teams often sort of reevaluate where they are. So that that sort of fits into that timeline. So it is going to be a situation to really watch. You know, watch Frank on the court. I'll obviously be watching him and seeing you know, how he's progressing. Then we can make that. You know, let's make a preemptive ad at certain points and see if he's going to start to get that job. In the second round, they selected Damian Dotson, a three point shooting guard. Do you see him being like any regular part of the rotation, or he'll just be uh, applying his trade in Winchester? So he, okay, he's an interesting case because there are now all of a sudden a glut of two guards on the Knicks roster. Um, you've got Hardaway, who's got to see big minutes with that contract, and you've still got Courtney Lee kicking around. Um, a lot of Knicks fans would like to see the front office trade him for some sort of asset. He doesn't quite fit with their timeline, but he's still a very highly efficient uh, offensive player. Decent defender, swings the ball. So he figures to see some minutes, too. The one thing about Dotson is um, Knicks fans especially have fallen in love with this kid. Um, His shot looks really legit. Um, I know it's just summer league, but if you watch video, um, he looked super comfortable even with a hand in his face. He had a really, like, smooth, compact, repetitive motion. It seems like he can really knock down that three um, against NBA competition. It's just the people he has ahead of him. I think if Melo leaves, you might see him getting some decent minutes because uh, they're going to kind of – he's a big guy, so like they might be able to slot him in at three occasionally. Um, you know, I wouldn't recommend drafting him necessarily, but like definitely keep an eye on him. Um, and I think you'll see – I don't know. I mean, with Melo around, it's going to be tough to find him minutes. But um, it, it seems like people like him in the organization. I think he will be given – a opportunity at some point to contribute but he doesn't factor to get big minutes uh, right away you talked about his shooting he hit 48 percent of his threes in summer league on five attempts per game he hit 45 yeah. percent of his shots in uh, at houston last season uh 37 percent of his threes the year before and weirdly like he played two years at oregon his first year at oregon and he shot 33 and 31 so he's really worked on that three-point shot mm-hmm. and it's now been consistent for at least two years and the start of summer league um, yeah, I think everything you said there is right. He could end up being, I reckon, in February or March, one of those players that I talk about in this podcast a lot, one of the three-point streamers who can come in and hit 1.8 to 2.3 threes a game in, in 25 minutes, like a, a Troy Daniels, a Wayne Ellington, someone who takes you know, 70% of their shots from three and just goes in and nails them at a high clip, and that gets them that 18 to 20-minute roll per night. I think in the second half of the season, he could definitely find himself in that category of players. The other guy they drafted, James, was uh, I'm gonna probably I'll probably stuff this up, but we'll try it. Uh, Onion, Yar- <laughs> yeah. Onion Yaramas, um, uh-huh. the uh, Serbian point guard, I believe. Um, he won't be coming over this season, but a lot of people are, are are a little excited about Yaramas. Do you have any strong opinions on him either way? <laughs> I don't know that he's an NBA player, but uh, Knicks fans liked him because he just kept throwing shoulders into people. He was a very aggressive defender. He missed like a ton of shots in a row. It was he had like a couple games like going over, but then he had one really strong shooting game. Uh, so he's definitely not afraid to get into people. Um, remains to be seen if he'll be an NBA level talent. Uh, I, I like to watch him play. I wouldn't be pumped for the Knicks to give him one of their roster spots this year. And like you said, he doesn't have one. But um, he he was an entertaining watch. I'll say that. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Porzingis. Porzingis. Yep. He um. Had some injury issues last season, and people uh, automatically once he, once someone misses some games in their first two years, and they are built as spindly as what Porzingis is, people are going to uh, you know, put start putting that injury prone tag on, on players. And I'm really against that injury prone tag; it really bothers me a, a lot of the time. What do you make of you know, Porzingis's issues in the second half of both of his first seasons? Do you think it's a case of the organization going nowhere in those years and being overly cautious, or is it something that you do worry about his frame and, and breaking down over the course of an 82-game season that people do need to start to be a little bit uh, weary of? 
I think what you should be uh, worried about is just the history of big men in general. You know, from Bill Walton to Yao Ming to Greg Oden to Joel Embiid, uh, they tend to struggle, um, especially with their feet, their knees, their back. Uh, that's, you know, typical basketball stuff, but especially in big men. I think with Porzingis, his injury history specifically um, is a little overblown. Like you said, uh, he missed a lot of time. I mean, I think it was 16 games combined the first two years um, toward the end of the season. And when it was beneficial for the Knicks to, A, not risk serious industry to their franchise cornerstone, uh, but B, to uh, lose some games. They were trying to uh, jockey for draft position. So there was no need to rush him back. What he has seen so far from his injuries, I don't think is too much cause for concern. He had a little bit of an Achilles thing. Um which can be scary, but nothing has required surgery. I personally am not, you know, not being a doctor, but I'm not too worried about what's come already. I'm just a little bit worried just because big guys in general have a tough time of it. But yeah. He was, uh, he was impressive last season, obviously. He improved his efficiency, took his field goal percentage up from 42 to 45. Weirdly saw his free throws drop from 84 to 79. Um, mm-hmm. And took his uh, three-point percentage up to 36. So I do think that there's there's obviously room for him to improve that, improve get his free throws back to over 80. I think you will see a, another third year increase in in both his shooting numbers. And I think that he is a really strong second round pick this year in drafts. Like he's going at 24 on Yahoo, 28 on ESPN, and with the dearth of quality big men or centers in particular, especially shot blocking high free throw percentage guys, you know, taking Porzingis at 19 or 18 is, is definitely not a, a terrible move. People always ask me, who do you want, Miles Turner or Chris Dapps? And my answer to that is always, do you prefer a higher field goal percentage or do you prefer more three-pointers? Because that's really the difference between those two from a fantasy point of view. Porzingis also has that upside that if Carmelo Anthony gets traded, his usage will probably increase and he might be able to push himself to a 24-point-per-game scorer perhaps as opposed to a a 20-point-per-game guy. So there is that upside there with him also. This is a question that I like to ask people a lot, James, about, about Chris Dapps. Do you think his best position is at the four or the five? It's tough. Right now, um, it looks a little bit like the four, um, only because he still seems to struggle a little bit um, when he gets switched off onto uh, smaller guys. He struggles a little bit with strength. He's definitely gotten stronger this offseason. Tommy Beer had a tweet the other day where they showed uh, his his arms, and and they were looking definitely more cut and more ripped, but we all know you need uh, some legs and core to kind of like hold that position it's unclear how much stronger he got there. I mean, I think long-term, I'd love to see him play more of the five um, just because that's where you can best utilize that offensive skill set where you can drag the other guy's big man out to the three-point line. Uh, I, I, ideally, he'd be able to switch around and have positional uh, versatility depending on the matchups, depending on you know what's going on. Uh, versatility is the name of the game in uh, 2017 in the NBA. But I think he won't fully unlock his potential until he can play center against anyone. Um, and I don't think he's quite there yet. But he's only 22. Uh, he's going to keep getting stronger for a little while now. So I don't think it's anything to worry about. But I don't think he's all the way there in terms of being able to play everywhere on the court that would allow him to be the most Chris Dapps, Chris Dapps. He is also a real chance this year to be a player. And I think, I don't know if anyone's actually ever done this in NBA history, be a player who averages two threes and two blocks per game. I think he's a significant chance to be able to do that this season um, so that's something that's going to give him that value and yeah, I think he's a fairly solid second round pick and, and potential top 20 guy um, Joachim Noah is suspended for the first 12 games of this season we know he had significant injury problems with his shoulder last season um, he came back so he could start serving that suspension when there was pretty much no way he was actually healthy at that point we um we assume that he is healthy and ready to go to start this season but what does that actually mean for Noah this season like does he just automatically come back in as the starting center does Hornacek just say, nah, sorry, mate, you're, you're the backup, you're the third string? Like, where is, where is he now after a disaster in his first year in New York? He's definitely not going to start. That's going to go to Hernan Gomez. Um, it's, I don't know about, like, second versus third string, uh, but things looked pretty grisly last year for him, even when, uh, you know, he was quote-unquote healthy. Uh, his free throw percentage just in the gutter. Um, and I think that was the second year in a row. Um, he's just 
it's he seems to have lost most effectiveness. I think they'll give him a chance to get back on the court a little bit. I don't expect big numbers out of him. Uh, they don't talk about him like at all when they talk about the franchise, the front office. Um, he's just not mentioned. He seems to be uh, very willing to play that mentor role. Um, and he said a couple of comments where it seems like he knows where his place is going to be this season. So I don't think he's expecting to play a lot of minutes either. But he definitely wants to get back on the court and like redeem himself and show that he can be a contributor. I just don't. I mean, I don't see him scoring more than like five points a game. Uh, he still rebounded at a really high clip when he was out there. Uh, so there's a chance to sneak in there and provide some value, I guess. Knicks fans are just really down on him because we also are looking at that contract. Uh, but if you divorce, you know, his fantasy value for, and you're like uh, in a real deep league, like maybe he can give you some rebounding when everyone else is snatched up. It's possible. Yeah, look, that, that's true. Like he can come in and maybe get you, you know, eight rebounds in, in 20 minutes. Like that's that has value. But of course, we're not drafting him, expecting him to do anything. Or we're talking about you know, 20 team leagues where you'd have to consider Noah in that situation. But again, he's missing the first 12 games. I think it's it'd be asinine for you to expect him to go through a season without an injury as well. So we've you know, I'm talking about injury proneness. Like when a guy gets injured every single year for like seven years and they're not, you know, resting or precautionary type things, and then that's then that's an issue. And I think that's something you, know, you, you separate that between Porzingis and Noah, and there is a definite distinction between those two. So, yeah, look, he can have that value as a rebounds guy, but he's never going to be that high assist player that he was in Chicago. Um, he's not going to score at all. His percentages have gone terrible. There's just not a lot. There's no real upside in Noah, so I think we're spending probably too long on him. Uh, at, at, at <laughs> I just want um, I've like thought about it for a second, and I'll say definitely third string behind Kyle O'Quinn. Um, he's younger. He's still got a little bit more upside. Started playing basketball at a at a late age. Uh, he's, I think he's still got some development in him, and he's got some intriguing skills. So I, I think uh, Noah slots in third behind him. I am I'm a massive Kylo Quinn fan, so I want to I want to talk about this uh, this center rotation because the way that Hornacek ran it last season was incredibly frustrating for fantasy owners because it felt like he'd never had a set plan. It was one night one guy would start and then the guy off the bench would play 27 minutes and then they'd switch that the next game and it never seemed to be matchup related. It never seemed to be form related. It just appeared like he was running three centers out there without ever a clear plan or any consistency for any of the. Like Quinn had come out there and have. 15 and 10 and two blocks in 22 minutes and the next game he'd play seven minutes and just things that never really seemed to make sense could you did it frustrate you as a Knicks fan that the centers never seemed settled um and or there was there a reason why he was just constantly rotating those guys um it was like number six on our list of concerns (laughs) (laughs) but yeah absolutely um the same thing happened to uh Billy Hernan Gomez a lot he would have a huge game and he wouldn't play for three games um, it was unclear who was calling the shots last year with Phil Jackson around, and we're not, you know, going to spend any time talking about the triangle. <laughs> no. I hope, but uh, so who knows who was saying what to do about what this year? Uh, Hornacek got a lot to prove, uh, both in his rotations. There was some stat up floating around there out there the other day that of the Knicks, like you know, twenty most efficient lineups, only like five of them saw any kind of significant minutes. A lot of people had a lot of beef with the way he you know doled out playing time up and down the roster not just at the center position there are reports of him you know feuding with Melo. there are reports of Chris Depps actually skipping his exit meeting because of Hornacek and not because of Phil who really knows what the question what the answer is there but um this is a huge season for him um and it'll this will tell us way more about who he is as a coach than last year could have ever with Phil Jackson around meddling. So. Yeah, definitely. Like it's all it's all him now. He gets to run what what he wants. He gets to do this without that uh, that voice whispering in his ear telling him what to do. And, and I, I agree with you that it should be Hernan Gomez and O'Quinn. O'Quinn is a sensational fantasy player as well. And I talk about this all the time. You give him twenty minutes a night, and he can easily crack the top one hundred and twenty because he's a strong rebounder. He scores. He gets blocks at a high rate. High field goal percentage. High free throw percentage. Decent steals. Hits the occasional three. I felt like he's consistently been underplayed throughout his career in Orlando and in New York. But if he can establish himself as that backup and say they go 28 to Hernan Gomez and, and 20 to O'Quinn on, on these nights, then both of those guys are going to be ownable fantasy players. Now, as for Billy, he, um, he had, you know, his moments. He was, well, he played pretty well. But as you said, like he just continually seemed to get shunted in and out of the rotation. But towards the end mm-hmm. of the year, 
consistency, him playing alongside Porzingis. What do we see for, for him this season? Do you think that he could be a guy that really just grabs that role and plays 30 a night, or is it going to be a mid to mid to high 20s in minutes for, uh, for his playing time this season? Um, I think he's going to earn a lot of playing time this year. Um, I honestly think he could be a double-double machine. I don't, um, his rebounding rate was insane uh, for for a rookie. And I think it was one of the better rebounding rates in the league even. He just didn't really get those minutes. Uh, you could check me, fact check me on that. But he came in and was putting up impressive numbers in that department. Uh, he's got a lot to work on defensively, but... You know, like we've been talking about, their center rotation isn't the most robust. Um, so I think he'll be given every opportunity to kind of develop. And him and Porzingis just have a really good chemistry. I mean, you watch them play together. They're like best friends off the court, but they pass to each other. They communicate. And Hernan Gomez just strikes me as one of these guys uh, who knows the game really well. He's not a you know high flyer by any means. Uh, his vertical is not impressive. But he seems to be in the right place at the right time, make the right pass. He's got good hands, some nifty post moves. He's got a lot to improve on, but he does a lot that he there's a lot that he does well for someone his age. Um, and I think he's going to get a lot of minutes this year. He's a guy that his fantasy numbers or his stats look really good in fantasy ranks because he's a high rebounder, as you said. Oh, I've got him. Pro- I've got him projected to average a double double this year, at like twelve and ten. Um, yeah. yeah, high field goal percentage on decent attempts decent free throw percentage as well I think the thing that holds him back and I often um, I often compare him from a fantasy point of view to a guy like Ennis Cantor you know, strong rebounder good scorer really efficient it's the defensive stats like he's not a high shot blocker he's not a good rim protector he's not going to get a ton of steals and that's what holds him back from having significant upside but he is getting picked at 101 on Yahoo and 98 on ESPN I think that is a sensational deal you get him at 80 I think it's a great deal he does have that ability to maybe just sniff sniff the top 50 especially if he gets 30 minutes a night because then you could talk about 14 and 12 and you know 1.1 blocks on higher volume percentages because they're both positive his percentages and and once you get that higher volume it, it really starts to kick in so i think that he can be a significant steal at that point um we feel pretty convinced that he is the starter and noah is not going to be you know, influencing that and yeah. they're going to use O'Quinn as that backup so you know, the upside is limited because of his defensive stuff, but that doesn't mean that there's not significant value in picking him at that spot. So I think people should be pretty excited about Hernan Gomez. Now, you are a Knicks person, obviously, James, so your answer is possibly going to be biased, but I do like asking this question to people. Who do you think is going to be the better Hernan Gomez? Uh, I, you know, I haven't seen a ton of a ton of Wancho, but I, I love Billy. I just <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't pick against my guy. Um, and I just think he plays really good team ball. Like uh, he's recruiting, he's recruiting Luka Doncic as we speak. They've got like a really intense bromance on social media. Uh, so he's going to make the Knicks better this year and into the future. I predict. Now we've talked about him a little bit. Uh, rugged Ronnie Baker. Well, where does he? Is he a, a one? Is he a, a two? Where does he? Is he going to? But they signed him to a deal which seemed odd at the time it was like it was like the uh the budget version of the timofey mozgov deal from last year just signed immediately and felt like no one was outbidding them or, or even in yeah. in any conversation for that deal. it's not it's not big but it's still like four million a, a year um where does where does he fit is he going to play alongside point guards is he going to be that third string guy like he had some moments he played some big minutes in the last couple of games of the year but like what what is it about baker he is a real polarizing uh, guy. He was one of like 13 players in the NBA to have like a, I think it was a negative box plus minus or real plus minus. One of the, it was, you know, like, so he did a lot of stuff that didn't translate well to stat sheet, but he was also one of the few guys who really got into players uh, on defense. Um, he picked guys up full court. He ran triangle sets like really aggressively when everyone was like enough for this offense. Um, so I, I think he'll keep an offense moving. Uh, I th- he was kind of like a steal specialist, like sneakily. Um, he had a lot of plays where he was just picking up guys full court and uh, bugging them until they turned the ball over. And then he's really good at like keeping the ball moving. Like he'll he'll like fall over with the ball as he's stealing it and like kind of pass it and he keeps the play going. Uh, and so the Knicks brass like him. I don't know how many uh, minutes he's going to see, though, because he was just an atrocious shooter, like just terrible. Um, but 
he wasn't afraid to take shots during a lot of like broken down plays. I don't know. I, I don't expect a lot out of him, but everyone was so convinced that it was such an awful signing because they gave him the mid-level basically when no one else seemed like they were going to do that. A mini Tim Hardaway situation to the point where if people are so down on him now that I'm like, I don't know, he might uh, be okay. I think the Knicks are in trouble if he has to play a ton, but he also was on these bench units that would come in when the starters were getting like blown out and they would chip into the lead. So I don't you know, you're not going to get a lot of scoring out of him. I think you might see some steals. You might see some sneaky assists. I don't. He's not like a natural born point guard. Like that's for sure. He's going to play some of that. Um, he's going to handle the rock a little bit. But like that's he's really kind of like in between a one and a two. And ideally, is more like a defensive specialist. Uh, you know, low usage rate, kind of like end of the rotation sort of guy. I was just reading on my on uh, the profile here for for Ron on uh, Basketball Monster something that I wrote. Yeah, three or four weeks ago, I'm just reading it now, said he's maybe the second worst contract of the off season, yet still not the worst contract signed on his team. And that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's, um, that's sort of where the Knicks off season went. But again, I don't hate the Tim Hardaway contract. And the Baker one was confusing, but yeah, he's just, he's not going to provide much. The shooting's horrendous. The steals are nice. The assists are nice. And that can have some use. Think of him as like a, a lower volume Chris Dunn in that sort of, um, area. Like you're getting assists and steals in a, in a lower volume and you're getting killed in all the other areas. And that's sort of where Baker sits. Let's, let's, um, let's get to the, the player that everyone wants to hear about. And I'm sure you're sick, sick of talking about, uh, Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. I'll just start with this. Do you think that he is on this team by February? Uh, yeah, I think the Knicks will be smart, uh, to hold him until the trade deadline, basically. I think uh, you look if you get like one injury to Golden State, uh, I think those trade offers are going to really increase. You know, the only team he's willing to go to right now is Houston. Uh, the hurdle there is Ryan Anderson's three-year, $60 million contract. There aren't really any logical takers for that. The Knicks don't want that. Uh, they don't want to take back a bad package just to get rid of Melo. Um, I think there's a better chance that he finishes out the season with the Knicks and then just opts out than a lot of people seem to. But I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him around in February. And I think the Knicks would be wiser to wait a little bit. What's the rush? I mean, you could say they want to develop their team, but in Melo, his style is a little bit like of a, you know, he holds the ball. Um, He had the most, over the past two seasons, he had something like 250 shot attempts where he dribbled once or not at all and held the ball for three or longer seconds. And the next guy after that was Zach Randolph at like 150. So his style of play isn't super conducive to a motion offense. That being said, like he's not some like weird scumbag teammate who's not going to pass to someone. Uh, he's got way better passing instincts than someone like Derek Rose, um, ironically, who, who's now gone. So having him around is not a disaster. I personally think it's, it would be better if they could find a good deal for him before the season starts and just start clean. Um, but from what they're going to get back perspective, I think it makes the most sense to hold on. It can only increase the Knicks leverage. Um, and for once with this new regime, um, I think this is like crazy to say, but I think the Knicks will not be the ones who blink first. I uh, I agree with you with Mello. I think that there is probably a better chance that he stays with the team the whole season than than gets traded before the trade deadline. I, I can see many situations, or you know, I, I can see it happening where he just doesn't get traded. I just don't see that that, that yeah. Houston. There just seems to be so many stumbling blocks with that deal. And you're right, he's not a he's not a bad guy. He's not a bad teammate. He you know, he, he works hard. He, he he produces when he's out there. It's just it is a weird situation. But I people are like banking on I'm going to take Pozingas because Mello's going to be gone before the season. And he's going to step up, and I, I just don't think. That that's going to be the case, and people always ask me, oh, yeah, when Melo goes to Houston, how does it affect everyone? I go, just it might not happen. Look, it, there's a massive chance that it doesn't happen. So don't be banking on all this stuff. There's an element of risk there in drafting Melo because if he goes to another team, he's most likely going to cop a, a hit to his stats. And him getting picked at 41 on ESPN and 44 on Yahoo, I think is is too high. Um, he was the 50th ranked player last season, so they're expecting an improvement on last year, which I think is ridiculous to expect. But I also think he plays a little bit fewer in terms of minutes this season as he gets older, and there is that risk associated with him. But if he averaged 20 points a game again and had six boards, I don't think anyone would be surprised with that. He can still do all that stuff. He's still a a very good player, and he gets, because of this um, drama that's always associated with him, I think his level of play often gets um, criticized uh, unfairly, and I'm, I'm not 
saying I'm the biggest Mello fan, but it's it's I think it's unfair the way that he has been you know, portrayed when it's I think he hasn't really done anything wrong. Um, no, oh, totally. And uh, listeners of Locked On Knicks will know I'm not the hugest Mellow fan either. But he's got a ton of gravity. Um, he's still pulling people to wherever he is on the court. I don't know that Chris Stapps does that much better without Mellow because you lose that. And Mellow uh, famously will defer to teammates that he trusts. And I think he definitely trusts Chris Stapps. He's definitely willing to pass him the ball. Um, it's, you know, some of the lesser guys that you, you'd be worried about. Uh, you can make an argument that Chris Stapps will have a better fantasy season and real life season with Melo around. I'm not sure I subscribe to it, but I don't think it's crazy. I, um, his year three progression, uh, you, you can see a lot of improvement there just naturally. And Melo is not a super selfish player, even though his game, you know, like I said, is not super conducive to a super motion offense. Um, I think he's good for Chris Stapps in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think he's. Uh, I think he's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with him this year. But I'm definitely not thinking that it's a, a guarantee that he's gone and he's you know changing things around on other teams or anything like that. I think that yeah, there's a huge chance that he stays with New York this season. One other player we haven't spoken about is Courtney Lee, who's going to lose a significant chunk of value this season. He played 32 minutes per game last season. Um, he's not a great fantasy guy. He doesn't rack up stats in really any category. He gets some steals, he gets some threes, but there's like no upside with him and any of that upside that he may have had, which was limited, has completely evaporated as he probably sees less than 25 a night now with uh, Hardaway and uh, and Mallow manning the two and the three spot. What's the uh, thought on Lee? Does it feel like he's just going to get traded at some point this season? Um... It's definitely a high possibility. He's one of the guys that they're going to look to see what they can get for him. He doesn't fit in with their long-term plan. But it also remains to be seen what the Knicks are really trying to do this year, how serious they are about making the playoffs. You can make an argument that if Chris Depps is the guy who the Knicks hope he is, that they should be pretty close with him in his third year. Um, and then a player like Lee is a valuable guy to have around. Um, he has a reputation for being a good clubhouse guy, although last year, I don't know how much you can fault him for this being in the Knicks nut house, but he had this weird thing where he was benched by Hornacek and then he posted like a dumb and dumber picture online. Oh, yeah. That was like a, <laughs> a veiled reference to Hornacek and then he denied it, but it was totally about Hornacek. I don't know that you can impute his character for that. But, um, it's like you said, I, I think they're going to uh, give him a diminished role. Now, if they can't find a taker for him and Mello leaves, he could be pushed into he could see like similar minutes to what he had last year playing a little bit of the three two to fill in that glut. But the way things are looking now, yeah, I think his minutes drop uh, significantly. Yeah, I think that's the case if Mallow goes and he see those minutes rise. But he's not a high-value fantasy guy anyway. So he, we're talking about you know, 16 team leagues, 14 team leagues, or probably at this point 20 team leagues, and then you know, maybe you bump it up to a 14 team if he moves into a 30-minute or so role. James, who would be your breakout candidate on this team? Um, I mean, I think Hardaway. Yep. Honestly, yeah. Um, he's just entering the beginning of his prime. Um, he showed a nice upward progression. He had just a number of super impressive outings at the end of last season. He's highly motivated. He's gonna get a lot of minutes, um, a lot of opportunity. Um, and people are, you know, dogging the Knicks, maybe rightfully for that contract. But I think he's gonna surprise a lot of people. I think that's a for this team who gets you know they get trashed pretty regularly. They've got some interesting young guys like Porzingis, Hernan Gomez, Hardaway. They're all players who have got upside. They're going to be you know, relatively interesting for fantasy. There's excitement. Porzingis and Hardaway. Hardaway for all his flaws, like he's an exciting player on the court. You saw him in that game against Houston last year when he scored about 25 in the fourth quarter. He can get up and throw it down. Like he's an, he is an exciting player. Porzingis we know about. Hernan Gomez is growing. And Neil Aquina, like what can he become? Like he could be something really interesting. So there is a for a team that has you know struggled for a while, there is a degree of upside with this squad. Um, the Mallow thing is a, a continual cloud over, over the team, but there is still reasons to to be interested and to watch the Knicks and and to actually get some exciting basketball out of it, which I think is even if they don't make the playoffs, James, I think it's something that Knicks fans and people who want to watch them for just pure entertainment should be should be interested about coming up into this season. Oh, yeah. They'll be a fun team to watch. And, I mean, Chris Stapps always had the chance. To, he could have just a monster year. Like, yeah. that's not out of the question. He could really take a leap this year. So that's a more obvious one. So I didn't want to lead off with that. 
But like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if he jumped up to 24 points a game, uh, 25 points a game, with just a ton of more threes made. He's gaining confidence. He flirted with like a 50-40-90 line in, in Eurobasket, you know, so again, it's not the NBA. But um, his shooting could keep improving, so yeah, he could have a monster year. Look, if he gets to 49% from the field, then you're talking about a top 15 fantasy guy probably because that then pushes him to a 23-point guy, probably a, a 2.13 guy that the blocks. And if somehow he could get his rebounding up to 10 per game, which is probably a stretch given the way that he plays, but yeah, that's top 10 sort of numbers. But I don't know we're getting to that. But he is a... He has got a real chance to to really smash through that that level where he we've currently got him projected. I think there's significant upside there for Porzingis, pretty pretty obviously. Now the Vegas over under line for wins for the season, James, is thirty and a half. Mm-hmm. Where are you where are you sitting with that? Smash that over. Smash. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know are famous last words coming from the Knicks, but I don't see how they're a worse team than last year when they won thirty one games. Uh, you know. I think bringing in Hardaway is again. I think he's going to surprise people. Porzingis year three with or without Carmelo. Um, the some of the young Knicks play really well together. Uh, their bench units played like pretty well together last year when the starters with, you know, uh, Noah and Rose uh, struggled and you know Rose is gone and Noah has a much diminished role. The Knicks lost a lot of close games last year. I think they'll give Chris Dapps a couple more opportunities to pull some of those out. Um, would I be shocked if they flirted with like just you know a push there? Uh, no, I, I'd be very surprised if they lost uh, less if they won less than thirty games. Um, I think their ceiling is probably like forty, but I expect them to get more than thirty. I'm not sure I'm ready to go and smash the over on this, but I would take I would <laughs> I would take the over. I'd feel pretty good about that. Like I think that they're better than uh, than a, f- a few teams in the East: the Hawks, the Bulls, and the uh, and the Nets significantly and then you've got uh there's people who are saying that yeah the nets are going to be better than knicks i don't don't see that uh, at all i can't i can't see how that's realistic and then there's there's teams like the the magic uh the paces in that group and you know there's plenty of scenarios where you could look at and go yeah well the knicks can can be better than those two teams at at least and maybe they push up to to the ninth spot i think getting the playoffs might be tough for them despite the uh weakness of that middle to lower tier of the eastern conference but 30 wins I, i feel pretty good about them being able to get over that now James, before we uh, before we wrap this up, just um, hey, why don't you tell everyone what's a happening on Locked On Knicks and b anything else that you want to uh, promote and plug? Uh, sure. Uh, so Locked On Knicks, we're in our uh, off season schedule right now. We're just doing it twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. But we're coming back in the next couple of weeks. We're going to start doing it daily again. Um, you guys should definitely check it out if you're Knicks fans or if you're Knicks haters. Uh, <laughs> all are welcome. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Lockdown Knicks. You can find me on Twitter at NBA Injury Report. And uh, also check out Posting and Toasting. We put our Lockdown Knicks podcast up there. It's a great SB Nation uh, site about the Knicks. Uh, lots of great writers over there, too. It is. Posting and Toasting is a great Knicks site, so go and check that out. And, of course, Locked on Knicks with James. Go and subscribe to that podcast and do the same with this one. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, on TuneIn, and on Stitcher, and now on Spotify as well. Leave us both five-star reviews. You know how much that helps, and I do truly appreciate that, as James does as well. James, thank you for coming on the show and uh, chatting about the Knicks with me. Thanks for having me. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. So that was fun, right? I had a great time talking to Josh. And that voice, man. Woo! Uh, just mm, made me feel like I was wearing a warm blanket. Am I the only one who just loves any accent that's not an American accent? I think, that, I think that's normal, right? It's the, like, uh, evolutionary drive away from incest. We're getting a little too weird right now. Let's keep it moving. Just want to thank you guys once again for listening to Locked On Knicks. We're in our off-season schedule for now, but pretty soon we're going to move back to once a day. That's going to be exciting. It's not going to be next week, though. Probably. I'm traveling next week for work for my 9-to-5 job. Uh, and so I'll be out of the country. I'll be in the UK doing UK bloke stuff. Um, but we'll get you at least twice. All right. It'll be good. Um, if you tell people about the show, 
if you leave five-star reviews on iTunes, there's a chance that I could, uh, you know, quit my job. And then you'll have me every day. All, like, all day. I'll do a 24-hour stream if I can quit my, my full-time job. But you got to tell a lot more friends. you got to tell a lot more friends. We're doing all right, but you got to tell way more friends for me to quit my job. But thank you. Also, seriously. Love you guys. Locked on Knicks. You know what it is. Talk to you later. Peace.